Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy almost New Year. Yes, we uh, we skipped last week, which is the first time I believe we have done that. I had a dream on Tuesday that we were recording the show like my body knew my brain knew something fundamental was missing. And I dreamt on Tuesday that we were recording the show. Well, that counts then. That right. counts. Um, <laughs> Yes, we skipped last week because I was in the middle of a mega epic trip to Indiana, uh, Indianapolis and Bloomington for the first time with my three children. And you threw some grandparents in there. It was a Pankowski explosion in B-Town. It was. It was. Uh, Not sure B-Town was ready for it. (laughs) How Uh, could it be? How could it be? But... We figured with it being the end of the year, and by the way, a belated Merry Christmas, as Ward has already wished me, but a belated Merry Christmas to everybody out there, and now a Happy New Year. This is our end of the year show. It's our last show of 2021, which gives us some time. I think we can spend a little time reflecting on 2021 Mm -hmm. uh, and looking forward, as we have done in the past, to what we are most looking forward to, and we'll do a recap. Um, And some resolutions, I think. We should do some resolutions. Let's do some resolutions. And all of this is, of course, possible because we are... Powered by... to straight no chaser a little bit more as we start this recap so let's hit the recap first i'll go through it as as expeditiously as i can please jump in ward with any questions or comments sure sure um i'll try to hit the highlights first thing don't take your kids on a red eye i i was 
Oh, boy. I mean, it's one thing trying to get, like, your other kid, meaning me, on a red eye. But to do it with your three actual biological young children, that is uh, ballsy, to say the least. Well, there's another word for it. Stupid. (laughs) Um, But I got the kids on the plane at 10.50 p.m. from L.A., arrived it was it was um we were a little delayed and we arrived in indianapolis at around 6 a.m then we drove over to the hotel my kids were just zombies i thought they were going to sleep on the plane not a wink Ooh, not a wink that's rough here's the other tip if you're gonna take your kids on a red eye don't cram everybody into the same hotel room to get a few hours of shut eye we had two beds and four of us. And that's how we got a little nap. It didn't Julie and I are too big. Well, you split up with the girls, right? You go No, two, I'm too old. The girls are at the age now where they don't want to sleep in the same bed as me. So Julian and I slept in the same bed. I mean, look, this is what we tried to do on Christmas Eve was like like the kids, like all of us in the same bed on Christmas Eve we're way way beyond that that was a terrible night's sleep for everybody so i would have i would have loved to only been in the bed with one other person uh but i get it you're you're trying to cram it in because you're in indy right this is before bloomington this is you've got to stay in indy for the the first game yes so the plan was get to indy sleep for five hours get up walk over to i don't even know what the field house is called anymore i still don't know and i was there bro gainsborough gainsborough okay gainsbridge it's it's the conseco field house it's market square arena market square arena it's market square arena okay (laughs) right Uh, next to the hoosier dome i had never been there i had seen it a hundred times but never been there and was really excited to see a game there so the kids and i walked over met some hysterics on the way awesome uh which was also a weird thing for my kids to see their dad talking to these strangers who seemed to know me in some way, right? Uh, which was very cool. And I thought that was going to make me really cool in the eyes of my kids. Nah, it did not. No, it just made me cringy to my kids. That's what they said. Cringy. <laughs> so uh, we walked over uh, Turdue and Butler were playing. Uh, I had no interest in watching either of those teams play, but the arena is remarkable. I mean, I loved it. I, I've been in a lot of basketball arenas, like professional basketball arenas, and it was by far my favorite. I mean, by it's the only one I've been in that has character. Well, and, and they did it by design, right? It was basically supposed to be Hinkle on steroids. And it is. And apparently they have done a recent renovation that, makes it even better. And I don't know what the differences are between the recent renovation and the old, but it is a remarkable place to watch a basketball game. You feel like it is an intimate setting, even though it holds, you know, close to what, 20,000 people. Right. It really is cool. And seeing Indiana walk out and seeing Mike Woodson walk out the tunnel for that game felt, it felt big. It did. It felt like a big game environment. And the thing I was most nervous about 
Well, I'll yeah. just say on that, it's Coach Woody's other homecoming, right? Like Bloomington won, but now here's an Indianapolis boy. And, and obviously he had that in the NBA, but as the head coach of Indiana, it, you come back to your hometown and you get to walk out onto the court as the head coach. That's really cool. Yeah, it's different. It is just different than than the NBA returns to Indiana, even when he was head coach of the Knicks or Hawks. Clearly different. What I was most nervous about is, look, my kids know about our Indiana obsession, just like yours do. But they didn't grow up going to Indiana. They haven't gone to Indiana yet. They didn't live in Indiana. So their attachment to Indiana is once removed. Okay. My attachment to Indiana, even though I didn't grow up in Indiana, it never felt once removed to me because we grew up going to Indiana. I went to Bob Knight's basketball camps. We drove there for games. So I had a personal attachment. My kids do not, other than knowing that their parents went there and met there. So I was just nervous that we we were slated to see five basketball games (laughs) in six days. (laughs) And so I was just worried Would they enjoy it? Would they pay attention? Would they get bored? Would they ask for their iPads? Most of that was wiped away in the first half of the first game where I got to see Indiana play in a very different way through the eyes of my kids. And I saw them get excited and I saw them like start to grab onto players. My son's favorite player was Anthony Leal. Um, Ainsley's favorite player was Parker Stewart. Stella's favorite player was whoever was playing at that moment. She (laughs) loved them all. And they got really into the moment and they were asking questions about it. And it was so rewarding, man, to just see them like, oh, this is what it, this is what it's about. And they loved it. Well, and that there are thousands of other people around them feeling the same way you do that it whereas before it's like dad's on the couch next to me acting like a crazy person and it seems like there's some people inside the tv also excited about what's going on but it's totally different experience than when you're in that environment totally and so it was weird all the games that we saw together i was more detached from them than i've ever been in person because i was so concerned with are they enjoying themselves? Sure. And they were. And so it was just uh, awesome to, to see that. And the comments that they would make throughout the game are really funny. They don't know the terms for all the basketball terms. So an alley-oop is like a uppity-doo. Like, I mean, you know, they just make up their own stuff. But, you know, I also want to talk to you, because we haven't had a chance to do this, talk about the games a yeah, little bit. Yeah. And we'll do that as we go. So I think I even said to you during the game, what did that feel like on TV? Because in person, it just felt like we never got going. Like it just felt stilted and slow and sloppy. It just it just didn't feel great. There was a nice run in the second half, at the end of the first half and second half. But it's also different being at assembly than being at assembly hall because you don't get the whole stadium, even though it was packed for the Indiana game, there were Notre Dame fans there. And there were people that were casual Indiana fans, overwhelmingly Indiana fans for sure, which is why we're out of that stupid event to begin with. But, but it just, it just did not feel like um, crisp basketball in any way. Um, Trace seemed real lethargic, missing a dunk. Like he just, the game didn't feel great. 
in, in any way. Um, so I'm curious what what your take was watching that game on television. Well, one, I was just happy that it was a legitimate opponent because in this this comes all the way through the game that will be airing tonight as this, you know, we're recording this obviously on Monday, but we have a game tomorrow. No, right? no, the game no. is uh, Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, yeah. The 29th, I, yeah. I didn't even realize yesterday was Sunday until today. I get it. Days today is Monday, right? Today is Monday. Yeah. It's we're on vacation time here at the Roberts household. So it was like, okay, well, Notre Dame's not particularly good this year, but they just beaten Kentucky. And here we are. Like, I'd like to go ahead and finish the crossroads classics as the champs, the all time champs with the record. And no, it didn't feel like the energy, particularly in the first half was sort of up to snuff, but you know, it was kind of like, we're, we're a good enough team with enough talent that even when we don't bring the juice and it's not clicking on all cylinders, we can still beat Notre Dame, which is kind of nice because with almost any other team besides Wisconsin, St. John, Syracuse, we weren't playing particularly good in this half or for this part of the game or for a good chunk of the game. But of course we can still win because this is the 287th ranked team in the country. So it was nice to just kind of be able to, you know, we didn't bring our A game, but we were still able to beat Notre Dame in front of, you know, 15,000 people in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. The schedule is what the schedule is. I have not loved it in any way because I just don't think it really does prepare you. You know, different coach Yad disagrees with that, thinks that you can learn how to win in these cases. I will say this. I was looking at the NCAA net rankings. Notre Dame is ranked 108th in those rankings. We are the only team. No, I mean, I think there's one other team in the top 75 teams ranked in the net that don't have a quad one or quad two win. That's not good. I mean, that's just, I don't, so so it's like, I don't know what to make of this non-conference season because I still feel like the teams we lost to weren't very good. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Wisconsin's a legit team. We lost to them. Syracuse is not a legitimate good team. Notre Dame is not a legitimate good team. St. John's is not a legitimate good team. We don't have a single quad one or quad two win. I, I It's hard for me to remember a time where that was the case. And- so I just don't know what to make of our team yet. I really yeah. don't. It feels to me like we're two and two, right? You know, and that what one on a neutral court, uh, one victory on a neutral court, one win at home, two losses on the road. And in terms of games that you can really draw anything from, but then when you look, what, like Ken Palm, we're like 28th. I yeah. think Torvik, we're like 22. And then Sagrin, we're like 30th. And then the net, we're like 45th. So I shake it all up and I was like, we're about a top 30-ish team, which I think feels about right. And that should be a tournament team. And when you look at the rest of the Big Ten, it's not that scary. I think you have Purdue, Illinois. Yeah, but it's really Purdue and everybody else. I mean, it feels yeah. like that. So, so I like do I'm still optimistic that we can get enough conference wins here to convince the committee that yes, we should be, you know, an eight or a nine seed. Um, but that's that's to me hopefully the floor and that 
we that the hope is we have a really good coach now. And I think as we can see up in Indianapolis with the Colts, where you have a really good coach, okay. that the team consistently gets better from the beginning of season to the end. Right. Okay. So I hope you're right. And I think we can get into it a little bit more as the week progress, as the recap progresses. If you just ask me after the Notre Dame game, are we better than we were 10 games ago? I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. So I, I don't, I, I don't see a big improvement game one to game, whatever that was 11. And so that does worry me a little bit, but I do want to talk about the one thing that Good point. Good point. I was not um, aware of. I was aware when this moment happened, but I didn't realize it was going to become such a big deal. It seemed like the big narrative that came out of this game was the quote-unquote booing of Xavier Johnson. I didn't notice that at home. I did notice it, but I have a very different take on it. And I know Coach Woody responded to it and made a comment about like kind of lambasting IU fans for booing Xavier. Look, I was there. I, I heard it. I did not feel like people were booing Xavier as a player. They did express exasperation at a shot choice that he made. It was a specific shot choice. Xavier was not hitting his shots and he was taking a lot of shots again. Yeah. And there was a moment where like, it was like crunch time and it was early in the shot clock. And as Bob Knight would say, you're open for a reason. <laughs> okay. And they clearly were letting him be open. Right. And he just took the bait and everybody seemed to, and I don't know if I made this verbal or not, but everybody seemed to just go, oh, that's what it felt like to me. A groan, now, not a boo. Yes. Now, I'm sure people are going to argue with me. No, it was definitely a boo. It felt like a groan and it felt like a groan at a specific time in a game about a specific play. I do not get the sense that people are booing Xavier Johnson. We okay. love Xavier Johnson. This guy's a badass. He works so hard. He puts extra time in before and after practice. He came to Indiana to, yes, showcase his ability as a transfer, but he came to Indiana to win and win in a big way. So, uh, And he's trying to help his team, and he takes it very emotionally when he feels like he let the team down. So I did not feel the booing. I felt exasperation at what Indiana fans, which are pretty smart basketball fans, felt like was the wrong shot at the wrong point, time and score in the game. And, and they were disappointed in that play. But that's all I felt. I was surprised it became as big of a story as it did. Well, I think you have to look at how last season ended in, Mark, in Market Square Arena <laughs> with the fans booing Rob Finnessy, missing free throws and booing the whole team and booing the whole season and booing the whole Archie Miller era, that there's extra sensitivity to what um, happened oh so recently. And it is. It's it's something I, I don't really remember growing up or as a student booing our team. Well, Ward, we didn't have much reason to. Yeah, well, I mean, you say that, but but we were really disappointed with the teams that happened while uh, yes, how but, those teams but we, ended. But we got our name called every selection Sunday. We did, we did. So and, and there was a diff, there was an expectation still when you and I were there. There was an expectation, and it happened where if we played a big team in Assembly Hall, we had a really good. We expected to win that game, we no matter how, what the team was ranked. Yeah. 
You saw us beat a number one, I think, Michigan State team. Yep. You know, like I saw us beat a high-ranked Temple team, Purdue teams that were highly ranked. Like we still won. We were over 500 in the Big Ten. We, you know, we had good players. We were still in the conversation. So it just, there wasn't the 20 years of disappointment that led to what you had at the end of last year. But it's a great point you bring up, that there is an increased sensitivity to feeling that way and expressing that. Because that's not who we are as a fan base. Well, it's not helpful. And look, I think it's really like, let's bitch to each other. Let's bitch and moan to each other. But when you're at a game and it's public facing and it's being broadcast broadcast nationally, it's like, yeah, like let's let's circle the wagons. And look, four years from now, um, if things really, again, have not gone the way we wanted them to go, then that's that's when our voice becomes important to make sure a change does take place. But right now, at the beginning of a tenure, particularly for one of our own as coach and a bunch of new kids and a bunch of new players coalescing, hopefully, as a team that will be good enough to make it to the tournament and maybe make some noise once we get there is, yes, a united front and whatever um hubbub came out of that i am glad that coach woodson and then we can get into the parker stewart situation a little bit later too is that coach woodson is out front um like the papa bear protecting his cubs great uh, agreed so it was very cool that we got to see miller cops family was there anthony leo's family was there uh mrs finnessy was there so it was cool to see some faces got to see scott dolson you know patrolling the sidelines in his suit i did ask him if we make a Hoosier hysterics tie, will he wear it at a game? And he said, yes. So well, we have we to get that to. done. We now have to we get have that to. done. Um, <laughs> I do want to say, I don't know if it'll come up later because you're back in Bloomington, but we were FaceTiming and you looked off to the side and you go, uh-oh, here come the cops. And I, I legitimately thought you meant the police were coming <laughs> and they were going to harass you about something. And you turned the camera around and it was Miller and his father. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> So game ends, we, we win very happy with the win, especially because as you know, you and I are the coolers of Indiana university Yes, so getting a win for my kids right off the bat felt real good and felt like they were exercising some of my demons. Um, they were on a high, the kids were on a high. They felt so good about winning and being there in that environment that like we went outside high five and Indiana fans, really cool environment. And then we just walked to Shapiro's. Oh, nice. And had one of the great meals like that we had. I mean, just awesome. Because you, well, you'd only been to the one in the airport before, right? Correct. I've never yeah. been to the real one. So we went to the one closest to Market Square. I know it's not called Market Square, but Market Square. We're sticking and, with Market Square. And Lucas Oil. And, Hoosier Dome. It's the and Hoosier it was Dome. great. You would have loved it. The Hoosier Dome. You would have. Although Lucas Oil, I kind of like. I don't know. I like it's. Them. I don't. It's an oil company. I don't know who Lucas is. The Hoosier Dome. That that to me. Yeah, but I it's mean, not I a get, dome. It's, it's not a dome. Not a dome. <laughs> that by the way, that stadium also so impressive from the outside. I've never been inside, but so impressive to well, see. And it, it's equally impressive inside. And this is where, you know, and Fred Glass, we've talked to him about that and getting that whole thing built, but also with Market Square slash Conseco slash Gain, whatever it is now, Gainbridge. Um, it's it it's it's added so much to the character 
and the class and the allure of Indianapolis that you really can't put a dollar amount on it. I, I totally agree. So we walk to, to Shapiro's and it's funny because as we walk, we're walking away from Market Square and in a sea of red, right? Yep. And slowly it becomes a sea of blue <laughs> as Colts fans are coming to that game, the, the Patriots game. Oh. And, and many of them are joining us on the walk to Shapiro's for a pregame meal. So Shapiro's, I would say, was like 70% Colts pregame fans and 30% IU postgame fans. Oh. So that was so cool. A guy sat next to us, an older my gentleman. People, my people. It was awesome. An older gentleman sat next to us and said, um, you know, what did you think of that game? And, I, you know, we talked about it a little. He goes, yeah, it's a little different than when I was there. When I watched uh, guys like Bobby Slick Leonard uh, and a little <laughs> guy, uh, a little guy named, uh, how did he put it? I'm trying to think how he put it. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he just read the list of the players that were on the 53 championship team. And so we got to talk a little bit about that. And that was great. He was like sharing a piece of history with me and my kids, which was awesome. And then somewhere in that, we get a, te- a, a tweet from our good friends at Straight No Chaser saying, hey, see you guys are in Indianapolis. We have a show in Indy tonight. That wasn't planned? No. Oh, I thought you had that all planned out. No. In fact, when I tried to plan the trip, started to think about it, I saw that they were in Bloomington the night before we came. Ah. I, like, ah, I just missed it. And I never thought to look at where they were next. So they reached out to us and said, we'd love to have you guys, you and your family come. And I'm wow. like, we were going to drive back to Bloomington after dinner. But I said to the kids, you want to go to the Straight No Chaser concert? They were like, acapella music? We're in. My kids love that stuff. <laughs> and so we went, drove around Indianapolis for a little bit, which is awesome to drive around that downtown. It was alive. It was alive and felt really cool. And then drove to Old City Theater or Old Center Theater, I think it was called. Was it by? Was it off the Circle? Was it near uh-uh. the Circle? No. Okay. No, it was called. Hold on, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, I mean, you you could not have picked a more Indiana night to be in Indianapolis between the Hoosiers, the Colts, Straight No Chaser. I mean. It was um, Old National Center, Old oh, National okay. Center Theater, which was an awesome theater where they do a lot of like big stand up shows that come to town. Uh, really nice theater. We walk in, they give us tickets, we get to go, and straight no chaser slayed it. <laughs> of I had never seen them in person. I'd never seen them in person. I've only see, heard their music, and I like their music. But they are, it is such a well crafted show. You think you're watching like a Vegas show that's been up for 30 years. I mean, it is so well oiled. I mean, they have been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, they know and what they're, they're really doing. good at it, man. They're mm-hmm. super funny. They shit all over Purdue multiple times, <laughs> which is brave in Indianapolis because there's a lot of Purdue fans. There's a lot of Purdue fans that were in the crowd and they just shit all over them. Got to so love bad it. respect for that. That is great. And they were awesome, man. They, we just, the kids had a blast and then we hightail it to Bloomington and we get into Bloomington around midnight and 10 minutes before we land at the hotel, 
I tell my son, Julian, dial up Pizza Express. Hell yes. Pizza X. Raise we ordered them right. ourselves a Big Ten special that was basically waiting for us when we arrived at the greatest home away from home that we have in Bloomington, the Graduate Hotel. I mean, wait a is, second. Yeah. Wait a second. Did you get caught up in any of what happened at Lucas Oil Stadium that night? Was there was there people running and screaming and celebrating in the streets after No, the, because we we the destruction of the Patriots on no, Jonathan Taylor's MVP like breakout run? No, the the there's the the straight no chaser concert started at eight o'clock and that was the time that the game started got it and then we got into our car in the parking lot and hightailed it to bloomington so the game was still going while you were on the road so yeah you- when we got back to bloomington i did you know check in with everything to to see you know um and obviously that everybody was going nuts about it people were really it, happy because i did not like, get a sense from the town that's like a top five moment in terms of what what has happened in Indianapolis as like a, like a home game going back to the RCA Dome through Lucas Oil like most people are going to put that Jonathan Taylor run as a top 5 moment in Colts history you know if you want to kind of take the playoffs out of it but certainly regular season you guys were breathing the air of one of the great Colts moments <laughs> i i will say this the energy from the Colts fans walking to Lucas Oil and at Shapiro's was awesome. People were so stoked and excited. And everybody that I talked to that knew us from the hysterics, I would go, yeah, I know Ward's really excited about it. Like, oh, so, yes. you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I, look, I, like I said to you, I root for the Colts because of you and because of the city. I gotcha. We gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and I like watching them play. I mean, they're, they're fun to watch. So we... I mean, we, we could do a whole thing on Darius Leonard with the knockout punch. I don't understand how it's legal, but I like I don't I don't get it. It's a wind up punch. <laughs> he's not he, punching him in the face. He's knocking the he's knocking the no, ball but, loose. But are you allowed in football to hit a player with a closed fist in the side? Are you allowed to do that in football? If you just hold off and hits because he has done that when he has missed the football. He has hit people in the side and in the body. Is that a legal football play? It's a good question. I don't have the answer. I don't think a punch is legal. (laughs) I mean, look, like if especially with like like open hands, like what what the linemen are doing on every play is is punching each other. No, 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 Ward. A punch is not an open hand strike. There is a there is a huge differentiating factor between this and a closed fist. I mean, like, look, in the in the self-defense martial arts class I took in the hyper as an IU undergrad, I was instructed by my instructor who was a bouncer at the Bluebird to use the open palm, like the the the, the lower yes. part of your palm. But it's not so called a punch. So you don't break your fingers, your knuckles. Yeah, well, then you're punching wrong, but it's not a punch. This is punching wrong. Like a boxer's fracture happens all the time. That's why use the heels. All I'm saying is it's not that much less violent to use open hands than closed fists. If you throw a punch in a fight in the NFL, two guys get in a tussle and you throw a punch, you are immediately ejected from the game and probably suspended. 
Or if you're Michael Pittman, you get thrown out even though you didn't throw a punch. Okay, but but that is the truth. If you throw a punch, and that's what all the announcers will tell you, oh, a punch was thrown, he's out of here. This guy throws punches during the plays. The difference <laughs> is he hits the football. Okay, anyway, so we get into Bloomington. We check into the graduate. We got two rooms. We split up the two rooms. I just love being at the graduate. I got to say, man, like, they take care of you. The service is great. And they are struggling for staff. Oh. I mean, everybody in Bloomington is struggling for staff. So many restaurants were closed for winter break, not because they can't sustain a business. Clearly, the business goes down in winter break when the kids sure. are coming. But there's a lot of people that live in Bloomington. But restaurants are closing because they don't have the staff. Mm. And it's really sad. It's I feel really bad for them. And the graduate is no different. They're struggling for staff. If you're looking for a job or know somebody who's looking for a job, call the graduate or call restaurants in Bloomington. So anyway, they took care of us. Pizza X comes. I'm so excited. I am just scarfing it down. I'm so excited. My kids are eating it. And my kids all had the same reaction to Pizza X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the breadsticks? Even the breadsticks? Two of my kids thought the breadsticks were better than the pizza. And one of them thought the breadsticks were nothing. Mm. And I'm like, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. But I'll say this. We ate all of it. Yeah. We ate all of it. So then we go to sleep. Tootsie Rolls? Was there a fight over the Tootsie Rolls? There was no Tootsie Rolls. What? There were no Tootsie Rolls this time. Well, no wonder the kids didn't get excited. Yeah. Wake up the next morning. I let the kids sleep. But we've got a women's game to go to. Yeah. So the women's game is at one o'clock and we basically get up and go to the women's game. That's basically what we did. And the women did not have their best game, but the crowd was great. There was a really good crowd for them in that first game. And it was awesome to see them in person and to root on this amazing program and to see their offense and how they play. They are really good. I mean, they just play basketball in a really fun, appealing way. So did that on, so this is now Sunday, Sunday night. We met up with the Martins, Evan Martin community cars. Sure. Which if you're going to buy a car, in the Bloomington area, there's only one place to buy from. It's Community Cars. They've got a bunch of different dealerships. You should, if you want to support not only a Bloomington bred and born person, not only a great Hoosier who went to IU and supports IU, but someone who is supporting the NIL collective and NIL efforts, that's Evan Martin and Community Cars. And if you want to give back to them, if you're in the market for a car, why not give them the money who are so supportive of everything that Indiana University is doing and everything that that we're trying to do for Indiana as well? They're huge supporters of and so, have been for generations. Yes, have been for multiple generations. So we we meet up with them. And we go to Buffalo. This was the one last night that they were open for the whole break. And oh. we just crushed wings. My kids loved it. It was so much fun. And then we took a late night tour through campus, man. Empty campus, walked on campus, walked through the union. It was beautiful. It was it was cold, but it was beautiful. And and did they get it? Like, did they get, I mean, because it, it's like when it's dark and it's cold and there's no leaves on the trees, I mean, you still got the pretty limestone and the union's really cool inside, but do you, do you think they were like getting the magic? They were starting to. Mm-hmm. They absolutely were starting to. 
So that's Monday. Tuesday rolls around. And Tuesday is the day that my parents are coming in town. So I took my kids to breakfast at Uptown Cafe. Perfect. Delicious. Where we are sandwiched in between a bunch of different people. Some IU football people, some fans of Hoosier Hysterics, and a gentleman who reaches out and says, hey, I follow you guys. His name is Greg Heron. And he's like, hey, I saw you, your tweets about walking around campus early in the morning. If you want some company, let me know. I'm like, all right. I just didn't think anything of it. On the other side of us is uh, Mike Woodson's wife and daughter mm. and, and brother-in-law, his wife's brother. And they were so nice to my kids and they were just so sweet to them. And so we had this kind of like just great joyous moment of all being Hoosiers in there. And then my parents came in town. Oh, here's the other thing that happened on Monday. Uh, oh, Monday night. Sorry. I, I got to back up Monday night. We went to dinner at, at Evans and hung out with them. Oh, nice. And then on the way home to the graduate, I'm like, you guys want to do some late night pizza again? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. I'm like, let's do Eric Gordon's pizzeria. Ah, yes. Oh boy. Yes. I know what happened there. Called up Eric Gordon's pizzeria, <laughs> said, hey, are you open? They're like, we're only open for five more minutes. I'm like, if I get there, will you make a pizza for us? Like, Absolutely. Come on in. I'm like, all right, I got to just go in there and pay. I run in there. I'm ready to pay. And the guy is like so nice. And he's like, oh, who's your hysterics? You know, this is great. Like, I saw you were in town. Thanks for coming by. And I'm like, thanks so much, man. I'm like, here, let me pay for this. You know, get out of your hair. And I reach into my pockets no wallet. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, where's my wallet? I'm checking all my coat pockets, back pockets, nothing. Where could it possibly be? Where could it possibly be? <laughs> and now I'm in the realization, by the way, it's just starting to rain here. So if it's, if the noise is too much for tell me and I'll go inside. Okay. So I'm like, Hey man, I left my wallet. He's like, you know what? No problem on us. I'm like, no, I have to pay. Do you take Apple pay? Let me go to my car. I'm sure my wallet's in my car, go to my car, grab my phone, come back in. The wallet's not in the car. Now I am freaking out. I'm like, I have no idea where the wallet is. Must be at Evan's house or in my coat pocket back at the hotel. I must not have grabbed it. So I use Apple pay. We get out of there. We go back. We enjoy the pizza. Awesome pizza. Awesome breadsticks. But you're stressing the whole time. I'm, I'm like, how am I going to get back? I don't have a driver's license. <laughs> we rip apart the hotel room. Not there. Call Evan. Not at his place. Called called Assembly Hall because we were at Assembly Hall earlier and talked to the women's basketball team. Did I leave it at your you know, offices? They're looking. <laughs> nothing there. We stormed Dane Fife's office earlier in the day. <laughs> oh, did you guys jack up his office? I He was there and he was like, listen. You guys cannot jack up my office. <laughs> and there were other people visiting, but I did steal more merchandise, including oh, this. Study. That's a great jacket. Yeah. So, by the way, matching pants. Wow. That's a, I mean, I'm I'm loving what you got, uh, you know, from the chest up. You would like this one. You would like, we'll get you. We got to get you one of these. So, the wallet cannot be found. And now I'm thinking, oh, I know. I went to the cigar store, Briar and Burley on Kirkwood Square that I always go to, sure. always support local businesses. 
I know I paid for cigars there, so I had to have left my uh, wallet there. So I guess I just got to wait till tomorrow morning. Kept checking my phone to make sure no charges were on the phone. Right, right. The card. Sure. All good. I can't sleep. I just can't sleep because I'm like, what am I going to do if this wallet is not there? They open at 10 o'clock. I'm up at like 545, just stirring in my bed. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go for a run. Get up, start running in 25 degree Bloomington weather. Awful. And I got starting at the graduate towards the sample gates. I got right to like urban outfitters and realized this is not a good idea, (laughs) but I'm going to continue. And I did a loop around campus. Impressive. And then I was like, it's still, the the place is still like two hours away from opening. I'm going to just walk, grabbed a cigar, walked around campus, just walking and, you know, tweeting and having fun the beautiful campus, trying to work out my stress. Store opens at 10 a.m. There's no wallet. And the guy says to me, in fact, I remember you laid your knit cap on the table. You paid with a MasterCard. You put the MasterCard back in your wallet and you put it in your front left pocket of your jeans. So this man has a photographic memory. I'm like, please be around murders (laughs) because clearly you will remember. I'm like, how do you remember all that? Did he resemble Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, exactly. Sherlock. So I'm now in full-fledged freak-out mode. Dane can't find it in his office. Evan can't find it in his house. It's not at the hotel. I ripped the mattresses off because I remember you leaving your shit at the graduate. I'm like, that's where it's got to be. It's nowhere. Emptied Uh, out my suitcase. It's nowhere. Called the Bloomington Police Department. (laughs) This really pissed me off. So this was like the last step. I called the Bloomington Police Department. Bloomington Police Department, how can we help you? Nice woman. I'm like, hi, my name's Eric Pankowski. I lost my wallet. It's very likely that it dropped from on Kirkwood somewhere. Has anyone turned in a wallet? And she goes, hmm, what's your name? Like Eric Pankowski. She goes, how do you spell it? I spelled it. She goes, what color was the wallet? I said, black. She goes, was it small? I said, yes. Yes, it was. It was small. And she goes, no, no one's turned anything in. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I said I said to her, has somebody turned in another wallet? She goes, no, no wallet's been turned in for like three weeks. <laughs> like, what were the questions for? <laughs> she like, could you describe exactly what's in it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nope, we don't have that. We don't have it. We don't have it. <laughs> so I call Holly and I'm like, Holly, I'm screwed. I don't have a wallet. My parents are coming in town, so good. I can mooch some money off of them to get us through the weekend. But I need to get back on the plane on Friday. You have to overnight me my passport. So I have to make Holly go get my passport, go to the UPS office. She does it. She texts me the receipt. And then the kids and I are about to go to Assembly Hall. We wanted to just go to Cook Hall and Assembly Hall on Tuesday. And as we're about to get in the car, I get a text from the guy at Eric Gordon's pizzeria. And he says, you left your wallet here last night. (laughs) What? This was the place that I realized the wallet was missing. How is it possible? (coughs) And what occurred to me as we drove at speed of light over there was I had taken the wallet out on my way in to pay for it. 
Mm-hmm. And then must have laid it down while we were talking about how business was. And he was telling me about staff shortages. And then I just left it there. And when I was looking for it, it was on the counter in front of me. Well, and seeing the tweet where you you laid it back to where it was, it was like it did. It blended right in there. It was just the perfect wallet-sized slot to set it. Yes. So in the middle of lunch hour, somebody who went to buy food said, hey, by the way, there's a wallet right here. (laughs) Gave it to them. We got the wallet. Felt like I won the lottery. Yeah. Turned around. Everything was great. And then we go over, we sneak into assembly hall. Actually, we sneak into Cook Hall and we work our way from the fan fest. We know how to get down into the the nooks and crannies. And I'm like, let me just take the kids in the tunnel. So I took the candy stripe tunnel. tunnel. The candy stripe tunnel that connects Cook Hall to Assembly Hall. And we go and practice is going on. And it's right at the end of practice. And we just sneak in. And all the players are coming out and they were so kind to take pictures with my kids as did coach Woody. It was just awesome. And I got my kids on the court and they got to shoot a couple baskets. Did they do better than Wally did? They did better than Ward and Eric did. <laughs> Let's just say that they low hit bar. a lot of low shots. bar, low bar. And them, I should go a step back. When we went to the women's game on Sunday and they walked into Assembly Hall for the first time, I saw the wonder in their eyes. When they walked down, and at women's games, it's general admission, so we sat in the bleachers behind one of the benches. Mm -hmm. Their eyes were just wide open. They've seen Assembly Hall on TV a bunch of times. Doesn't do it justice. No. And they were looking up at the balcony and the curvature of the the structure and they were blown away. And they immediately said, we loved Indianapolis, but we like being in assembly hall. So then them being on the court and shooting baskets was like a highlight, highlight moment for them. Well, I know, I know Julian had, you know, played some, some basketball, a few years back, you even had yeah. him doing some training and that Stella has a real uh, love for it. She, she gets her shots up. What about Ainsley? Is she, is she coming along? I mean, I don't know if she'll play organized basketball, but she loves shooting baskets. Loves it. By the way, I forgot one major part of the story that we have to go back to Monday night. Oh no. Was it Monday night? No, it couldn't have been Monday night. It was Sunday night, I guess. We need a dessert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is an important story. So we go to Culver's because that's where we go for dessert, either Culver's or chocolate mousse. We went to Culver's on this occasion. And we're sitting in the table. If you know the Culver's in Bloomington, there's a table that is right in a corner where there's pictures of the super sub first time on the cover of sports illustrated for an Indiana player. There's a picture of coach Knight with Laz and his son at Culver's. You come There's in, a- you go to the left, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a picture of um, Bob Knight throwing the chair and Stella starts asking me questions about Bob Knight. Why did he throw a chair? And I start telling him the story about there was an old lady on the other side. Of course. You know, that's the story that coach told. And she thought that was so funny 
like they all thought it was so funny. And we were talking about Coach Knight and how great he was. And and then she was like, "Why isn't he the coach anymore?" And I'm like, "Well, he was fired for what?" And I had to, we went through the whole story about Bobby Knight. And in the I'm facing the entrance to Culver's, and a guy, a bigger dude, walks in with all Kentucky gear. Who is this son of a bitch? I know, and he's making eye contact with me, and I'm like, "I'm gonna have to fight this guy." Let's go. I'm gonna have to fight this guy. <laughs> And he's going to beat me up. <laughs> and he just keeps making eye contact with me. And he's looking to his left. He just keeps looking to his left. And I can't see what he's looking at. And then he leaves the restaurant and comes back and is like freaking out a little. And he walks up to me and he goes, this is what my kids say he said to me. And as he's walking to me, I'm like, this is it. It's go time. I'm going to have to fight this guy in the middle of Culver's. He walks up to me and he goes, do you know Bob Knight? And I'm like, well, who doesn't, right? (laughs) He goes, do you know that Bob Knight is here? I go, no, I do not. (laughs) He's right there with like three other people. And I'm like, oh, wow. I knew that he likes Culver's and comes there from time to time. He's like, I I think I, the guy's like, I think I got to go. I think I got to go talk to him. And he's so nervous. And I'm like, Go ahead. He seems to be pretty good with stuff like that. The guy goes and talks to him and he's back there for like 10 minutes. I, I thought you were going to say, and then as he turned his back on you, you hit him across the back of the head. Yeah. Or took a chair and bashed it over. His head. <laughs> and so the kids are now freaking out a little. They're like, wait, Bob Knight's here. And I'm like, I look, I don't want to bother him, but I know Karen a little bit, his wife. And, well, and we know that, that he has been known to be at Culver's and very happy to take pictures with people. Yes. And because of the fan fest, you and I have gotten to know the family a a little bit. And so I went to say hi to Karen. And as soon as I started saying hi to Karen, I told her, I go, I'm here with my kids. And she goes, well, bring them over. Come on, bring them over. Like, are you sure? And coach is right next to her, just bending this Kentucky guy's ear, like telling him stories. And the Kentucky guy is red in the face. He's nervous. Like, he's just reduced to being like a 10-year-old kid. By the way, I would never go up to Adolph Rupp at a Culver's. Exactly. Difference between Bobby Knight and everybody else. I agree. Um, You wouldn't find him at a Culver's. You'd find him at a White Pride meeting. (laughs) Um, So I brought the kids over, and Coach Knight immediately shakes their hands and grabs my son, Julian, and pulls him into him. And my two daughters just squeeze in the banquette next to him. And he, Coach Knight is talking to my two daughters. And he then tells, he's like, look at you. You two are good, good girls. And then he's be, he's making fun of me. Good. Coach Knight. And sure. he's like, so when they walk with you, do you get a lot of ooh, rolling your eyes at you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I embarrass them from time to time. And then he looks over to them and he goes, all right, girls, this is what you got to do. When you walk with him, stick out this hand to distract him. And with the other hand, do this. And he flips the bird to my 11 and 9-year-old daughters. Everybody's laughing. We take a picture. Thank you so much, Coach. We go to leave. And as we're about to leave, he says, give me that young boy back. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Julian comes back. He takes his pointer finger and puts it in the center of Julian's chest and starts banging on him and says, you 
don't be a prick. <laughs> be a smart, smart, smart kid. And most importantly, take care of your sisters. And I was like, mind blown, amazing. Went, went to the parking lot. The kids are freaking out. We immediately call Mandy to let her know. And the kids tell Mandy the story of meeting Coach Knight, and we send her the picture. And Mandy starts bawling. Mm. I mean, bawling. And the kids were like, they didn't understand. And Mandy was trying to explain, you don't understand how much this man means to not just me, but every member of my family. My grandmother used to clip out any article in the paper about Coach Knight and save them. When Mandy and I got together, her grandma would send me articles about Bob Knight. Mm. And Mandy is just bawling. And the kids realized the weight of what just happened. It was this amazing, sweet, emotional moment. I called you not long after to tell you about it. I called my parents. It was just an amazing moment. And so I tweeted it. And I do want to talk about this for a minute. Why? Why? It, it doesn't matter. Because it really bothers me, Ward. It just, just, it just gives attention where it isn't deserved. I won't name names. It, it, was wasn't, old... it wasn't staged. You just told the whole story. It wasn't staged. But first of all, it, it, what does it mean to stage a photo? Uh, to 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 contrive it, to figure it out in advance, to get uh, certain parties together inorganically by design to but make sure you get a if, photo op. If I had the relationship where I could say, hey, coach, could you meet us at Culver's for a dessert and take a picture with my kids? And they agreed. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, no, I I, I mean, like, I, I who don't cares think if anything... you did that? It would be OK. Yeah. But no. Here's what I want to talk about overwhelmingly positive response from people. People were so kind, but there was a contingent of people that came at me hard for that photo, claimed it was staged, claimed I was using a, a, a man who does not have all of his faculties. And, and they were like, and it felt like they were insulting my kids too. Like I, I used my kids in a way. And I was just like, this was such a beautiful moment. Why does anyone that's an Indiana fan, how could you possibly find a reason to be negative about that? How? Uh, it's because it's social media, Eric, and that happens every single time. So don't act like you're surprised. Just ignore those dumb, ignorant bastards. Don't let them okay. even soil that magical moment a little bit. Okay, I won't. You're right. It Good. did bother me, but I. you're right. F them in the A. Moving on. Moving on. All right, so back to now Tuesday, meeting the players. The kids are on a high. The wonder of Assembly kids Hall. kids got high? <laughs> they, they grabbed some trail That mix was supposed to be with Uncle Ward. <laughs> they got hold of you. They grabbed the wrong bag of Ward trail mix. And, and then my parents came in, and we just walked around Kirkwood uh, until it was dinner time, where we went to Lil Zagreb's. Oh. 
and it was incredible. And after dinner, we walked over to the chocolate. I mean, it was just amazing. What word? I just, I love the staff at Little Zagreb's, and I'm just wondering, like, what, it, I mean, I'm sure you had a hero's welcome from the wait staff. They were great. Everybody was always great. And they take care of you like you're part of the family. And after that, we walked to Chocolate Moose. Uh-huh. And had ice cream. And guess who was in ice cream? Coach Knight? Coach Dane Fife. Oh, well, I should I should have guessed that. With his kids. <laughs> And I got to introduce Dane to my parents and it was awesome. And we all sat together like at these big tables. It was awesome. It was just so great. His kids were great. We had fun together. And then, uh, and then we went back and now it was Wednesday and Wednesday was a day spent walking through campus. Oh, I will say the basketball game on Monday for the women got canceled, which sucked. Right. Really sucked. And they Bummer. found out like hours before the game. That sucked. And it made me very nervous that this whole week was going to get canceled. Sure. But Wednesday came around and we walked around Kirkwood for hours. We had a breakfast again at Uptown. Uh, the kids had breakfast, uh, by the way, earlier at Village Deli, which they freaked out for. Cinnamon roll, giant pancakes. Did they, did they do Did they do what we do, which is carbo load? We carbo loaded. Yeah. Potatoes, <laughs> pancakes. Yep. Toast. Um Nothing green was oh, in sight. No. And we walked around uh, Kirkwood with my parents and then got ready for the game. And I got to, for the first time in my life, walk into Assembly Hall for a men's basketball game with my parents and my kids. And it was awesome. And my kids were into every moment of the game. Every moment. And so I want to talk about this game a little bit because that first half – we waxed them. Yeah. I mean, it looked really good. Yep. The second half was awful. I mean, we it just lost. Felt- we lost the second half, didn't we? Oh, I don't think we just lost. I think we got beat significantly in the second half. They scored yeah. 47 points in the second half. And it just didn't feel good. And this is where I come to you and say, I don't see how we're better in this game than we were in game one. Like, I don't. We, 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 the defense didn't play a full 40 minutes. The offense sputtered. It just was Rob Finnessy had a good game. I was happy to see Rob go off yeah, for 10 minutes. That games. was nice. Trace had some great plays, but it just felt like the team is not there yet. They are not gelling at the rate that we all want them to. And I will say that part of this game was weird because Anthony Leal got his first start. That that was such a shock, obviously, like a surprise, like not even his family knew that was going to happen. And for anybody who knows this kid's story and know he's he's a Bloomington kid born and raised, uh, bleeds cream and crimson. Um, to, to hear the backstory, how he got his sister to make sure his parents and his grandparents were all there for it and they had no idea it was happening. And even when, you know, earlier in the season when we were there, when he didn't get to play at all, that it's been such a uh, uh, a three, let's say a 180 yeah. to, to where how he has gotten Coach Woodson's trust. Um, and that, yes, we know what had to happen with Parker in order to, to uh, set up this opening, but really... I, it's it's one of the, if not the feel-good story of the season so far. And let's talk about Parker for a second. Okay. Here's what we have heard about what happened with Parker. 
And let me say this. We love Parker. Parker is a really good kid who has been dealt a fairly shit hand for the last two years in life. His dad passed away, who was not just his dad and was not just his basketball coach. It was his best friend. And you don't recover from something like that quickly. And Parker is a kid who is very quiet and bottles a lot of stuff up. And my understanding is that he bottles it all up until it explodes. And it's negativity that explodes when, when it's just too much. And that happened at practice earlier in the week. And this staff is sympathetic to Parker. They have worked with him. They're going to continue to work with him. But they also have a commitment to the team. And they're not going to let a negative outburst uh, go unaccounted for. And that's what happened. How long is it going to be? How long is the benching of the starting spot going to take? Who knows? He may start Wednesday. I don't know. But that's what happened. It wasn't grades. It wasn't did something bad off court. He's not getting into trouble. He had an outburst at practice, and they held him to account for it. So that's what happened, and I hope he gets it together because the guy can't fill it up. Now, he has other deficiencies, and and those other deficiencies are tough, you know, especially when you're going into the Big Ten. Yeah, but when you're shooting 50% from three-pointer, a lot of deficiencies can be overlooked. They can, Ward, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. Well, you know, we'll we'll see. You're right. Like, the only way to make up for it is you have to shoot a crazy number. He's shooting a crazy number right now. He really is. So, it was really great to to be there for the ovation for Anthony when he came out. That was really cool to see. And my kids were locked into every moment of that game. But you're talking about what have we learned about this team in what, like 12, 12 games now. And and I think it's what separates a, a decent team from a really good team. A, uh, a borderline top 30 team from like a top 15 team. Uh, consistency. 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 Yeah, I, missing... I would also add in overall talent level. But sure. Yeah, yeah but, okay. But I, but but you can make the argument that the two are part and parcel. Yeah, I mean, and and it's like part of you know, oh, what's the best ability? Availability, sure, that's part of it too. But when you're talking about if you're and this team does go on the regular 10, 11, 12 deep, um, that well, I guess with you know some injuries and stuff 11, like that, it, it hasn't been that much lately. Though they got to get they got to get. Chilean more often that dude shooting a thousand percent from three-point land um is is that you're seeing a good half and then a terrible half you know and that it's okay look it's human nature that you just are curb stomping a largely inferior opponent so you relax and and you just kind of let them like really come back and do way way more than they should be able to do in the second half and we've seen that through many games this season or in the case of like just whipping the shit out of Wisconsin for a half and then letting them come all the way back and beat us in the second half it's like i think clearly this team has a talent to be a top 25 team 
maybe not a top 10 team. Definitely not a top 10 team, but definitely has the talent to be like, oh, in the 15 to 25 range for most of the season, win more than we lose in the Big Ten, comfortably get into the Big Ten tournament or into the NCAA tournament and maybe win a game or two there. That all that all could happen if we're consistent with the talent we have. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree that we have the talent to be consistent at the level to be a 15 to 20 team borderline top 25, maybe I just don't, I just don't know. And I guess, I guess that's, it. it's, it's a good, it's a good question of like talent and consistency. I guess that's sort of part and parcel. Like I can make a three point shot, but I don't have as much talent as Stephen Curry who can make 105 in a row. Right. Or Xavier Johnson can have the first half that he had against Wisconsin and then have the second half that he had against Wisconsin. So which guy is Xavier Johnson? Well, the truth is, as Holly always says, and she reminds me, it's the truth is always in the middle. He's not as good as what he was in the first half against Wisconsin. And he's not as bad as he was. He's in the middle. And that's where like that's where our ceiling is, that it's difficult to break through when you just don't have the talent level to be good for 40 minutes. Right. And and the other thing that we have that I do hope corrects itself, because I don't think it's a recipe for success. Three of our five starters up until the, the last game are transfers. That's hard, man. It's just hard. Look, we talk about this all the time. Juwan Morgan's last year at Indiana, he came back to showcase himself for the NBA. And he wanted to show that he could hit threes. And he couldn't. He was shooting them at a really low clip, 29%, something like that. But he kept shooting them because he knew that's what he had to do for his own personal progression in his career choice. It doesn't mean he didn't care about Indiana. Of course he did. But you also have personal goals and you can't expect these kids to put personal goals totally aside for the team. Now, Juwan put a lot aside for the team. He played the five spot that year. Juwan Morgan is not playing the five in the NBA. That wasn't going to be his future. He was going to be a stretch four, a three and D guy, but not a five. But he had to for the betterment of the team. When you have transfers who are largely there for one year, let's not count the COVID year because who knows what's going to happen, but a grad transfer, which, you know, Miller cop was, you know, actually Miller cop wasn't a grad transfer. Miller cop was just a transfer who took advantage of the no penalty rule. Xavier, same thing for their senior years. They're thinking they've got one year. They have personal goals. And they're coming to Indiana in part to showcase their personal goals for the next step in their life. And when a significant portion of your team who's already dealing with a brand new staff and a new program and a new culture, and also three guys who know nothing about what has come before at Indiana, it is tough to mesh it all together. It is really tough. And I don't think the staff wants this to become a regular thing for the program, three out of your five starters should not be transfers. No, and I think it's easy to say. I believe that that's an anomaly because of the turnover. Of the, there's, it's it's kind of shocking there wasn't a greater turnover. Honestly, when you lose the head coach that recruited all these players, it helped that Kenya was retained. I'm sure, yeah. of course, and then that Woody being Woody. <clears throat> 
But when you look at what the one-and-done culture has done, it really hasn't done any favors to John Calipari or Krzyzewski to a large point. In the last five, six years, for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's not a recipe for success. Better to be a Villanova, a Gonzaga, you know, one of these teams of Virginia that has these guys playing together, the core playing together for several years. And yeah, maybe you have a stud freshman or a transfer come in. Like, like oh, we really, really need this one thing right. in our starting lineup to get over the top. So we can find one piece and get it to buy into what everybody else already knows is the thing. Yeah, and we have four of our ten rotation players as transfers. Yeah, all of them. You know, the same. Some of the same issues you have with one and duns, you have with transfers. And I think that is going. That is a challenge for this team and coaching staff to get to the ultimate goal of a team that plays cohesively and as one unit. So that was Wednesday night. Thursday night. Thursday comes around. We have breakfast with my parents at Runcible Spoon. Mm, incredible mm, mm. did anybody walk around campus did did anybody have the benedict no nobody had the benedict we're like a french toast pancake family um the the benedict if anybody's out there listening and loves a good hollandaise sauce you got to go to runcible spoon i've had it before but something about the last time we were there i've been dreaming about it ever since it's an excellent place they take care of you there too and um, we that we also walked around campus, and for the first time, I went to the art museum. Ever? I'd never been to the art museum. What'd you think? Amazing. I mean, amazing. They had they had Picassos, they had Jackson Pollocks. I mean, it was amazing. And we they had like five of the exhibit rooms open, and we we spent a good couple hours there. Uh, it was great. It was so cool. I mean, seeing artwork in the middle of Indiana University, sculptures and pieces of art that are from 3000 BC. <laughs> I mean, it's just mind boggling. And getting my kids to like recognize that was it was pretty cool. That is so cool. walked around campus, said goodbye to my parents. They went home and we went to our final game, the women's game, which beginning to end was as good as basketball as you can watch. They just, I mean, the score at halftime was 38 to eight. Was this the ugly sweater game? Yes. How, how did, did the crowd show up in ugly sweaters? A, a good number of them. I didn't know it was ugly sweater game and we didn't have any ugly sweaters. We would have done that. We thought about going to like a Goodwill to get some, but we couldn't make it work with our schedule, but they just played so well. Everybody did. Everybody played well. It was a team just cohesive and you could tell Terry was not happy with the performance earlier in the week. Mm. She wanted the last game of the non-conference to be them playing at their best. And they did. It was really impressive. And my kids just, again, loved it. And they got a chance to meet the women's players as well. Every one of them. So nice. So generous with their time. So gracious. Took pictures. It, It is such an easy team to root for. And, and they've got a huge game coming up soon against Maryland, who is a top eight team as well in the country at Assembly Hall. That's going to be a big game. I hope the crowd is huge for that game. They're going to need it. And we walked around Bloomington, walked around campus, and then went and had dinner at the West Side location for Mother Bears, which I didn't even know the West Side of Bloomington existed. What, where are you? I mean, I know where it's the West near, it's, it's kind of near where White Castle is. Oh, yeah, 
like there's a Coles out there. It's like a whole development, like just west of the 69. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, my White Castle. Sure. Yeah. And the White Castle that was closed the last time we were there. Yep. There. I got to tell you, man, Mother Bear is just killing it. I mean, the yeah. pizza is the wings. They have great wings. Incredible, meaty wings. I'm sure we I had, had a, those at some point in my life. Just an incredible meal with some friends at at Mother Bear's was our last meal. On the way back, got milkshakes at Culver's to end it. Sure. And then we were up at 4 a.m. to get to the airport and get home. God, brutal. And brutal. That was that was brutal. But well, that was and, our and week is that. Is that was that when you did, took the video outside of Assembly Hall? Yeah, we stopped by Assembly Hall at five a.m. Say goodbye one last time. <laughs> it felt like five a.m. But yeah, uh, but just to to the overall recap is, we know it's a special place, but there is something different about having your kids there, and them realizing how special it is. And all my kids were like, "I could live in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Like, I I want to go to school here." Mm. And it was just, um, it was so special and emotional and perfect and great time with the kids. Only a couple fights, uh, you know, but it's awesome. Let me say this. I really downplayed the fact that you had your kids there to my kids. (laughs) Understood. I I mentioned it in passing because Bo, you know, my daughter, she's, she's 11, goes to school with, with your, your middle kid, Stella. Um, is like going, I think even back to last year, the last trip we took sort of pre pandemic or as the pandemic was, was underway was, um, when do I get to go? When do I get to go? And so this was, this was not where I was like, Hey Bo, look at what Stella and the Penkowskis are doing in Bloomington now. No, no, no. And we actually, we all took, uh, the month off of social media in general, like we watched the social dilemma on Netflix and got terrified and said, we're not, we're, we're not going to do this this month. But of course I was sneaking in, uh, some Twitter to look at you guys. The only thing I use Twitter for is to watch what you're putting on our Twitter feed, particularly when you're traveling. And, um, it did seem like so cool and so magical. And I can't wait to do that with, with my kids. And, you know, I'm, I'm not generally, a jealous person. And I don't think jealous is the right word, but I will say um, in, maybe inspired is a better word. Like I cannot wait to go back there and do that with, with my kiddos and, and when it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we lose basketball games, so that's tough, but I'm also like, mm, but maybe we do this in the summer and uh, show them what it's about when there's green everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it'll, or the spring, you know, we're gonna do, we're gonna do what we did with the women's basketball workout and men's basketball with Cliff Marshall. We're gonna do a football thing in the spring. That's true. I want maybe maybe it could time out with little five. Ooh, interesting. If spring practice is going on there, maybe. Um, all right. So that was my trip. Thank you for indulging me. It was amazing, and I'm just really happy. You, you know, you have those moments in your life where you realize this is going to be one of those things that the kids remember forever. For sure. And I think it will be. I know I will. Um, let's talk about 2021 before looking forward to 2022. Okay. What is the one, what is your best IU memory of 2021? Coach Woodson getting hired. Oh, 
nothing to expound on just that's it i could expound on that it's nothing that probably hasn't been touched on before but when you look at the uh the hoosier nation wandering in the wilderness for 20 plus years and there being some good moments and some really some good seasons some great games some awesome players um and i do not want to discount all the wonderful memories we've had since coach knight was unceremoniously fired um but when we started this podcast we started just by screaming at each other because that was that was the the only thing there was to do as indiana basketball fans is was just scream at each other um and then as we started talking to a lot of these former players and getting more and more connected to the fan base as a whole uh, that the the destruction of the Indiana family that occurred uh, became very evident very early on. Like, wow, we are a fractured family, and how could we possibly heal these wounds? And we kind of saw step by step. We were fortunate enough to be a part of, like, Bobby Knight at the Bluebird, and then we got to be there and witness him coming back to Assembly Hall, and, and these were obviously great steps in the right direction but they also what, highlighted the problem. And and highlighted the problem, for sure. Um, and so then with Coach Woodson being hired, it's like, well, okay, now, I mean, obviously the only thing that's missing is big-time winning, okay, to bring it all back together. But there is there is no doubt that when you're looking back at the history of Indiana basketball 20, 30, 40 50 years from now, I think there's this moment where like, man, here was this 20 years where the whole thing just was like kind of a mess and there was infighting and there was estrangement. And now Woody, Woody is going to bring us all back together and whatever happens going forward. And we hope it's excellence on the basketball court. But I think no matter what, um, that we will, we will all be in it together going forward good, bad, ugly, winning, losing, whatever it is, I think we're all back together now, and and I don't think anything is going to change that, hopefully ever again. Unless you stage a photo. Right. And then in that case, burn them at the cross. Right. Um, well, look, my highlight of 2021 would have been the same as yours, mm-hmm. but for the, the sake of variety. Sure. <clears throat> I will say the um, kind of the tipping point of IU women's basketball, mm-hmm. which I think happened in 2021 with making yeah. the Elite Eight and being as close as they were to the Final Four and just the stature of that program and where it's at and and the women that we have on that team and how great they are. And we got to meet them at the Fan Fest, which, which further kind of drove home the point of how special that program is. Um, that to me is is another 2021 highlight that that hopefully is just a stepping stone to some great stuff that could happen for that program in 2022. Um, but we just love Terry Morin and Coach Box and Coach Rhett and Coach Ash. I mean, and and Liz, who's over there um, running, I think, basketball operations. The whole group, the managers, everybody, it is a good program. It is a tight-knit program. And, uh, yeah, I, I love it. And then the, I do want to just say as a, as a 
caveat, not a caveat, as a corollary to, to yours, addendum, if you will. Sure. The kind of people that Coach Woody and this staff are bringing into the program, from Tamar Bates to Miller Cop to Xavier Johnson, these guys are hard workers. When we snuck into practice, Xavier Johnson was still putting shots up and not screwing around putting shots up, putting shots up. So was Christian Lander. So was Parker Stewart. And when you look at the character of this team, it is so easy to root for. And it's why I want to remain optimistic because these are kids that deserve success and and I hope they get it uh, because I do think they're about the right things and it's a good group of people. Uh, And I think that's a great reason for optimism because – yeah, talent is talent, and to a certain you, you could be a total asshole and be super talented, and successful and win a lot. Uh, but but I do think it it elevates both your floor and your ceiling when you have that kind of character in your building in your program. That that that's a better recipe for being greater than the sum of your parts. Whereas if there's there's a ton of ego and there's not necessarily a great work ethic, you're probably going to drop below what the the sum of your parts would be on paper. Yeah, and look, we've been told like Trace Jackson Davis is the best player on the team. And Trace Jackson Davis comes out at the end of the games and is yelling at the coaches, get chilly in there. Yeah. Like, get chilly in there. When the best player on your team is also one of the best guys on the team, mm-hmm. you're in good shape. So I, I, I love the character and um, camaraderie that this team has. Um, I don't think it's perfect. And I think part of that not being perfect is that it's a bunch of new guys and a new program, and everybody's kind of treading water to just learn the system. Yeah. But I'm going to remain optimistic. All right. 2022 resolutions. Yeah, let's go with resolutions. All right. You're up. Uh, Okay. So my resolution for 2022 in relation to Indiana University sports is to remain positive, uh, optimistic, um, excited, hopeful in regards to the Indiana men's basketball program, no matter what might occur during the Big Ten season. Because, look, I'm not going to be live tweeting or live streaming during these games. And I'm going to say things and feel things, perhaps with whoever's sitting next to me, scared family members, texting with you guys, FaceTiming with you and the goons, that I will, I will sit with, let go of, before recording shows with you or, you know, because like there is, there's you'll no let doubt. Me, you'll let me bring the negativity. Well, yeah, if, if you so choose, but I do think it's, it's not only not helpful, but it's not even like a, 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 a very, it's not even cathartic. No, no, it's just like there's a toxicity, a negativity where I'm like so like I'm it's not rational. It's emotional. And I don't want to spew that out onto other people or into the world. Like, let me walk the dog for like a mile and come back or give it an hour, give it two and be like, okay, where are we really I don't want to sit there whether, you know, and, you know, I don't do the social media thing anyway, but in any way, shape or form, put my knee jerk negative reactions out into the atmosphere that could have in the teeny tiniest way a contribution of of 
of negativity towards the program. And and there, we are in not even in, in like we are just months into Coach Woodson's era. And I don't want to do anything to make it more difficult for him or his staff or his players to succeed, not only going forward this season, but in into the seasons to come. So I'm just, and I'm not going to be falsely optimistic. I'll try to come to to these discussions we have that go out into the world realistically and not be all like sunshine and lollipop and crimson, crimson colored glasses. But I know what occurs during games and in the aftermath of bad games is not only not helpful, I don't think it's accurate. All right. Well, I'm not going to make the same resolution. <laughs> um, but here is one that I am going to make. I'm going to stay a huge supporter of Tom Allen and this IU football program, because if you look at the last two years as a collection, they gave me more amazing moments and moments for real joy than the last 20 years of IU football. And I believe that Tom Allen is the right guy. And I believe he's going to get us back. And it may not be next year because you need a quarterback and I'm not sure we've got one. And I'm not sure they think they've got one. But I'm going to stay true and passionate about that program because I do think, look, it was, by all accounts, the best recruiting class that we've ever had. And that will pay dividends. It just may take a little bit to stack those classes and, and gel together. But I want to stay positive because – a good Indiana football program and a supported one by the fans is helpful to all Indiana sports. It is. It is It is the rising tide that lifts all ships. More than basketball, much more than basketball, the financial upside for football being good and supported has a bigger impact than basketball. It does. Well, and when you look at, obviously the turnover is ridiculous with football in general, with basketball in general, with with everything and now that you can transfer willy-nilly and with the COVID rules, uh, it's it's really, unless you're Matt Weaver, you really don't know who's coming or going at this point. Right. And next year, I think we're going to have like 35 new players. The, the recruits and the transfers. Yes. I mean, 35 scholarship new players out of how many are on scholarship? What is it like? 85? Is it? Is it that many? I think so. Maybe. It's, yeah. I mean, the 35 new ones. I mean, it's close. It's over 40% new players. For, for the record, 85. I totally pulled that number out of my ass, but I think that's close probably. It's not more than 85. What? It is not more than 85. So 40% of the team next year is going to be new, and that's going to be a challenge. Um but I do believe in Tom Allen. I believe he's got the right passion. He's got the right work ethic. And we're going to stay behind him because and, we need him. And to your point of the idea of like, well, X isn't as good as he was in the first half or as bad as he was in the second half, probably the same is going to be true of Indiana football with last season and this season, right? We're probably not going to be going or in the conversation for New Year's Six Bowls 
all that often as a program. Um, but maybe every once in a while, which again is a huge improvement, even if it's just every once in a while. And we're not going to be the train wreck, which was this season because we had like seven different quarterbacks throughout the course of this season. Some of which had never played quarterback before. I think they even asked you to be quarterback for a couple Yes. And I, I turned them down only because I had other obligations that Saturday. Yeah. So that's my new year's resolution. Um, do you have one for Coach Woodson? Ooh, a resolution for Coach Woodson. Yeah. Hmm. I I guess my New Year's resolution for Coach Woodson would be we know how good he is when he has contact with recruits. When he cl- when he is closing, he makes a hell of an impact. My resolution for Coach Woodson would be to dive in head first on recruiting, like to to do what Matt Painter does in recruiting, to build those long-term relationships, to be the guy that everybody in the state of Indiana wants to be around, to be the guy that goes to high school gyms on a random Tuesday if you've got an off day to see a game, um, to be the guy that puts in the grind that you have to put in that you don't do in the NBA. I mean, that's just not, it's not part of the, the, it's not part of what he's done for 30 years. And so my resolution would be to just put in that grind because I think that if he does, the sky is the limit. I really believe that I, Matt Painter is really good at what he does, but if Mike Woodson is there every step of the way, Mike Woodson is a compelling, charismatic, funny, (laughs) warm, smart, insightful guy who knows how to get kids to the next level and knows what it takes to get to the next level. So I just hope that the recruiting even goes to another level with him. And I think part of that is going to be him diving in in a big, big way. And maybe even a way that he wasn't even aware of that was necessary until you're in it and living in it and competing against Matt Painter and Chris Holtman and Tom Izzo and these guys that that know it in their bones. I want it to be in his bones for it. Um, that would be my resolution for him. Great. You? I just like that one. I'm 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 good with that. And 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 if he, if he wants to figure, you know what? Because he's talking about we we've got Kansas right. We love doing the home and home with Kansas. Yes. yes. This is huge. We're we're already talking with the goons about going to Lawrence next year. It's gonna be great. Gonna be great. Coach Woody has talked about getting into um, Madison Square Garden. Uh, for something, and I'm like, well, who's who's over that way? Who could we face off with there? Uh, that's over that way. You know, is that like a Villanova? You know, or or I mean, do it's we... Madison Square Garden. You can get anybody over there. Is that where we could show up? Like, actually, I'd rather they end up doing a home at home at some point with UCLA because then then that's real fun for us to go to that one here. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think they're, if if they could go ahead and figure out another big-time opponent um, before the Big Ten season next year, um, I don't know how full it is already. If we could get another. Of course we can. Yeah, of, okay. I mean, come on. Good. Of course we can. Then we let's played, do that. Because... We've played nine games this year already, and we'll have played ten that are all shit. I mean, I mean, they're all shit. We can we, lose two of them. 
and we've debated this, like, you know, how valid is it? How, and, and Coach Ya came in and kind of gave some arguments as to why this was okay. But, but just as a fan, like, once we, once we played Wisconsin, I'm like, I am done watching these crap teams. Like, I have no interest anymore. And that probably goes back to, to how it always used to be. It's like, okay, Christmas break rolls around and it's like, I was coming to town at, while the students are gone and my dad and I would go down because it was easy to get tickets. And it was all Big Ten all the time. And just the fact that, like, you know, the Big Ten starting, you know, earlier, but then it, it you kind of jump off to play these, you know, Northern Kentucky directionals yeah the directionals. The, the directionals it's it's brutal i feel like you're wasting everybody's time so let's let's make a uh and this could be for scott dolson too because i'm sure he's involved let's make a new year's resolution to beef up that pre-conference schedule next year and we'll all be not only a lot more entertained but a lot more prepared for the big 10 season when it rolls around and you know what like i know woody recently talked about the schedule that he doesn't schedule for fans or for like, well, yeah, you do a little bit. I mean, like, you know, I, I recently heard a conversation with a big time division one coach where he said that the, these coaches and, and ADs of the big schools, the Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, Gonzaga, UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, um, I'm sure I'm leaving some out, even, Michigan you know, Florida's State. Michigan State, Villanova. Arizona. Yes, that they do have a responsibility to the sport to present these marquee matchups because it's good for the sport. And I also look at it like, you you know the phrase, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Yes. We know we're not in the top five in the country, but dress for the job you want. We want to be there. So put those teams on the schedule. Totally. Put those teams on the schedule and act like it. I get it this year. I do philosophically get it this year. I didn't like the execution. Philosophically, I get it, but I think we went way too far in, in the bad direction. But philosophically, I get it. But after this year, no more. Dress for the job you want. And we want to be considered a national blue blood. Then play the national blue bloods. Yeah, and look. Play marquee games that get attention. We'll we'll see how it goes next year, but even if it doesn't go particularly well in Lawrence, well, okay, then we'll know exactly how far we still have to go. Yeah, and you're on national television in a game that's probably going to be in prime time or or an afternoon game that's going to get national television exposure, and that's where we need to be. So I love that resolution, and I do think it's for the fans, it's for the players, it's for the team, it's for the sport, it's for the program, it's for the school. It, 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 you do schedule more than just, it's more than just rack up wins for the tournament. It's a little bit more than just that. We want to be where we want to be. Then we have some control over the perception of that. Let's so, do it. Let's do it. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but the sometimes, sometimes why? why? Uh, Happy New Year, fun. everybody. Happy New Year. We'll be back with an interview next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique.
manner We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics Hoosier Hysterics Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.